to live righteously. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Halt. You guys, it's very exciting. We're going to talk in this first uh, little bit, these opening exercises of sorts, uh, a lot about The Cultural Hall. Why? Well, because haters got to hate, 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 hate. And the players got to play, 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 um, to quote the great philosopher. But also, The Cultural Hall, <laughs> in the next month's time, will become the most uh, prolific Pro positive pro church uh, show available in podcast form. That's a lot of ways to describing it, but um, we will surpass, we will eclipse uh, another podcast that is available as we go into our numbers of episodes. Now, technically, we already are and did that a long time ago, uh, but because we haven't always numbered our episodes, um, this will make it officially official when you look at the number. So we'll talk a little bit about that and what that means and what you can look forward to. But also, as I mentioned, the haters who hate, 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 hate. Uh, no Brother Kyle this week. It's just me and uh, Annette Luthy Lion herself. Rawr. How are you? I like that. That's great. Uh, how it, it has been a while since uh, we have chatted with you, uh, Annette. If you don't know, uh, you should follow us on Instagram at the cultural hall. Uh, all of what you see go out on our Instagram channel. Well, I should say 99% of what you see go out on Instagram is a net. Sometimes I get a little, uh, I get, I get a little itching and I go, I'm going to post this. And then I think a net probably goes, who did this? And then of course, and I go, Oh, hi Richie. Yeah, That's what hi, I do. Hi. Uh, so <laughs> let me know what, what, what is new with you? Oh gosh. So I think last time we talked, it was uh, like April 19th, somewhere in that ballpark. Mm -hmm. um, since then, uh, we've had our 27th anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. 27 years. Side note, if you want to stay at the Marriott next to the Temple Square and get a temple view, don't pay for it because there's buildings like Technically, yeah, but the buildings are too tall to see it, so it's, you can't see it. It's like, oh, there's a tiny spire right there. Okay. Anyway, then we had my first writing conference in, in over a year in person. Three days of holy crap, there's hundreds of people around me, and this is aren't we in a pandemic? That was freaky, but great. Even though I taught and stuff. Mother's Day, two kids' birthdays, a kid's seminary graduation, same kid graduated from high school. Um, Mother's Day, my uh, kid three's wedding. And on the same day, my granddaughter's first birthday. What am I missing? It's been intense. It's been so, a couple of months of holy crap. So not too much, it sounds like. <laughs> well, that's the thing for me. It was coming off of, you know, lockdown and pandemic life for a year. And then suddenly in two months, like everything just hit you. And I was like, like the first day of the writer's conference, I was mentoring groups all day. And after like, three hours, my throat was sore. And, I, and at first I'm like, oh, no, you know, COVID. And I thought, no, I've been talking for three hours straight. And I'm not used to that. Yeah. You yeah. know, where it's, it was a little weird, but it was great, but weird. If yeah. if and in the middle of that, I had a manuscript due. So, yeah. If people, if people don't know, and it's probably worth mentioning, you are an author, a published multiple yes. times author. If people wanted to check yeah. out some of your work and read that, where would they best go? It's Amazon. Just type me in and a bunch of stuff will come up. That's probably the easiest. So uh, the, the next thing coming out for me is um, uh, there's a collection of, there's three romances that set in the Regency era be out this fall we don't have a release date officially yet but it's me sally Britton, and deborah hathaway and it's the collection is called 
the ends of Devonshire. Hmm. Uh, so my story, the secrets of Mr. Blackmore. And I think it's, a, I think it's a fun story. I liked it. I'm hoping that uh, sometime in the future, even if it's just like a pop-up book or a children's coloring book that between you and Mr. Mayor, who also uh, will host articles of news on occasion, I would hope that you guys would do some sort of Christmas uh, in the Victorian era you know, I don't know, some sort of collaboration. It'd be fun to see. Oh, that would be fun. You know, some yeah, some different some things come together. And I know that if you say yes, he'll be on board. So I leave it in oh, your hands. Well, I have influence currently. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I uh, I want to start here as I get into some of the uh, the latest scuttlebutt, as it were. In the last articles of news, I shared a, a, an email from Brother Brent. Uh, he was, in fact, one of our Patreon subscribers uh, and no longer is. Send an email, and I just want to reset the stage by reading a portion of his email. And for this first little bit, I just want to, I want to respond to uh, his email and share some responses from other folks. Uh, his, he essentially reached out to me and said, Hey, are there other um, podcasts that are positive towards the church. I'm sort of tired. He had been going back through and listening to our back catalog and felt like the cultural hall wasn't a place that he wanted to financially support anymore. Um, and I said, oh, so you're leaving me. And he said the following. He said, I'm still going to listen to the new ones if I like, if I feel like the topic is something I really want to hear, but I'm done with the groups and the back catalog. I don't need the aggravation and contention. I want to focus on the things of Christ and not listen to people who want to put down the church. And I'm stopping my Patreon subscription because I don't feel like it's something that I can do anymore. So then I sort of threw it out in the in the last articles of news. And uh, I had some other people respond saying, hey, you know what? Send us an email. Contact at theculturalhall.com. Uh, let me know what you think. And so these are some of the comments from other folks. Uh, this is from Ryan who says, I've always felt that the podcast is overly critical or focuses on the bad stuff, murder, child murder, child assault, doctrine critical, etc. They seem to come up way more often than the other topics, or at least they get way more attention than other topics. The only reason I have listened for a few years is occasionally there is a good interview. For a while, I actually thought you might be an anti-podcast. First of all, not anti. Second of all, not a podcast. Uh, you semi-regularly remind people that you were excommunicated, meaning me, yes, in fact I was, at one time, and then combine them, and then combine that with articles that tend to get a bunch of traction, and I was really on the fence for a while if you were, in fact, a faith-promoting or anti-church podcast. He goes on. Then, then you did the celestial, telestial, terrestrial Patreon thing, once again, I thought, is this guy trolling his employer and his listeners? Is he really just an anti after all? Because it definitely felt like a mockery of doctrine, the temple, while trying to monetize that mockery. I'm not surprised another Patreon member has stopped contributing. He goes on to say, I did at one time, though not at the level that the guy mentioned has. I know that uh, that uh, podcasts cost money to deliver, uh, but the podcast has more ads although most of most of your ads in your podcast are for you or Patreon, than nearly any of the other 59 podcasts I'm subscribed to. I think Adam Carolla's podcast might be the exception as it has at least four ad reads for most days. It really does feel at times that you're pushing the, the church is evil, give me money, ha ha, let's make fun of the church agenda, whether purely by accident or with malicious intent. Ryan, 
So I got that. Wow. I just, I'll just I'll just sort of leave that there for now. But I got another one. This, oh gosh. This is from. I have so many thoughts, but I will hold it off. This is from Holly Frechet, who was on the show uh, back in May of 2020 for about 10 minutes, giving parents reading tips. I mispronounced her name at the time, so she made sure that she phonetically spelled it so that I would say Frechet properly. She sends this email. As I was listening to your most recent show where you read Brother Brent's email, I thought, what is he talking about? With two question marks, Annette says, I don't feel like the cultural hall has a negative vibe towards the church in any way. Do you sometimes have discuss sensitive topics? Yes. But are they relevant? Absolutely. We no longer live in a world of partial disclosure, and it's important to talk about difficult subjects. What I love about the cultural hall is that there's room for both sides and everything in between when it comes to these discussions. I think you handle them in a sensitive way and thought-provoking way while still managing to convey your, spo- your support for the church. In all honesty, I don't think it's a good idea to surround yourself with people and ideas that are strictly in line with your own. Part of developing a Christ-like spirit is sitting with those people, ideas, etc., that make you uncomfortable. Now, on to another topic, and I just share this here because I'll forget it if I don't share this here, so I want to address this. Uh, you do get knocked out for colonoscopies. Oh, I found out. I found out, Holly. Oh, I could have told you that yeah. if I had been on last time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. N- I did not know, uh, but it was a it was a brief-to-sleep nap, Um And she goes on to say, but I'm wondering why you need one. Well, I should share this. I haven't shared this yet because this is the first articles of news since we did it. Uh, Pre-cancer. Pre-cancer in McCollin. They got it. We're good. I'm young. They said if I would have waited, I would have been in deep trouble. So now all of my siblings have gone and gotten colonoscopies because I have another younger brother who he has had issues as well. So apparently uh, colon cancerous type things are... um, within the Stedman family line. So he's getting that taken care of. Those uh, are highly genetic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my husband's family as well. Well, and I guess all it, my kids have to get colonoscopies by the time they're 25. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> because it's just so genetic and inside of that side of the family. So I'm like, sorry, kids. Like, anyway, do you just say, blame? Funny. do you just say blame your dad? I'm like, blame your, oh, well, heck yeah, blame your dad. <laughs> yeah. I'll drive you there. Yeah. With one of my kids. I'm like, <laughs> She has to get one before I do. And so I'm like, well, if you wait a year or two, we can do it together. Have it be a mommy daughter thing. And she's like, I better not wait. I'm like, okay, I'll drive you there if you want yeah. it. That's good. <laughs> I was thinking we'd get our makeup done and go get pictures Man like in Betty. the 80s. Yeah, get our hair <laughs> blown out and wear clothes yeah. we would never clothes wear otherwise. Uh, also, uh, just as, as we're on a side tangent real quick here, Holly says, uh, Brother Kyle, you should also get cannabis and then record an episode of the Cultural Hall. We talked about his oh, that would be beautiful. getting a, a, a medical marijuana use card. So uh, she goes on to say, thanks for all you do for this show in podcast form. I laugh a lot. Sometimes I cry, which really screws up my morning runs. But I always come back for more. All my best, Holly. And then another one. This is from Justin, who says, hey, you asked us to email. So here it is. I can't call myself a lifer of the show because I never went through the backlog of episodes, but I've listened to every episode of the show since the middle of 2014, so I guess you could say I'm a fan. As far as what you asked about in the last articles of news, my opinion is that you should keep doing what you're doing. I really enjoy what you put out, and I don't think you're overdoing it. 
I can sort of see where Brent is coming from in that I don't always agree with everything that's presented or the way that it's presented, but like a regular mature adult, I can hear something I don't agree with, ponder on it, possibly roll my eyes a little and move on. There are other podcasts that I've had to give up on because of exactly the problem of criticism of the church and its members and a lack of flexibility in viewpoints, and then indicates another podcast, which I won't uh, incriminate here. Uh, I think you guys are right on the money. Keep up the good work. Justin Van Dusen, which is a great name uh, that really I wanted to share his email, not only to back up where I feel like we come from, but also to be able to say Van Dusen on the, on the show. So then I just want to kind of to uh, poke around a couple of these. I shared this in, a fa- in the, uh, I think, Patreon Facebook group, uh, which would be a great reminder. You can join Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall, or it might have been the cultural hall back row, which is a free Facebook group where you can just search the cultural hall back row uh, on Facebook and then find and, and be added to that group. Uh, but different people that have said different things. Uh, Laura Lee says, I have to admit, Although I'm a big fan now, I also was skeptical at first. The first couple of episodes I listened to, I was trying to determine if it was an anti-podcast in disguise or not. So I've, I've also decided, and I didn't do a good job today, I'm going to start every episode saying, this is a pro-church show available in podcast form, so people don't have to listen to know. Um, then let me see here. Uh, Megan says... I disagree uh, with what this author, with what this writer said as well. I've been listening for years, and I too listen to a lot of podcasts. Those that are independently run mention Patreon often. Others have their own subscription programs, like Maximum Fun. Shows need ads to run, obviously, and I don't know. I don't feel like there are more for the cultural hall than any other. Thumbs up. One more thing. This is uh, by someone named Annette Luthi Lyon that I uh, wanted to read, and I appreciated that you weighed in on this. I did as chime well. in there. Yeah. Uh, one more thing that uh, that she, referencing the previous author that I quoted in this post, is unaware of. Is Richie's made nothing on the show for most of its existence. Neither do the panelists or anyone else. It's a labor of love. Others were the ones that convinced Richie to create a patron to help offset the cost. It's not a cash cow. Boy, howdy. Uh, by any stretch uh anyway richie would never do such a thing he's not rolling in the money uh it's not his livelihood and he's not actively pulling people away from the church so i appreciated that and then finally this richie says and i don't have oh this is michael don't let it get you down some people take things way too seriously. I friended you on Facebook wondering if you would be too busy to accept it. You immediately reached out and said, thanks for connecting. If there's anything I know is that you have the concern for people, all people. I appreciate this show in podcast form very much. Please don't let this discourage you. I'm glad to be a financial supporter, Michael. So so a lot of people have their opinions. And, and to that point, and, and the one thing that I will affirm and reaffirm over and over and over again, that Brent didn't feel comfortable doing that. And then he needed to see himself out. I understand. I would never want to try and keep someone that I that didn't feel like they were comfortable here. But as far as like anti stuff, as far as, you know, being an anti podcast or anti show available in podcast form, it's not what we're at. It's not who we are. Do we talk about hard things? Yes. And, and, to, and to some of that, like I think that we do uh, a lot of LGBTQ stories, interviews, issues, um, 
also some of those news stories where we highlight, you know, if there's sexual abuse or something like that. I think that we do a lot of those. But as you'll hear in today's articles of news coming up in just a couple of minutes, we also do a lot of church newsroom stories that talk about the opening of this, the dedication of this, the announcement of this thing happening. And so some of it, may I suggest that some of it is your perspective. And additionally, some of it is you hear what you're looking for. If you think it's anti, you will cling to the things that either you feel like challenge or are challenging to you. If you feel like it's pro, I think that you'll hear the faithful and testimony building experiences throughout our news and throughout our interviews. I would add also, if it's just, if you're pro, but being a, but the negative stuff really jumps out to you. Um, that's that's just that's a, it's like having a sunburn, you know. And someone touches it softly, even, but you're going to remember that. Right. Um, so it's, if you if you actually break down, and if you look at actually going back to Instagram, um, I'll often you know write include like bullet lists of of the topics and articles in each episode. And if you look at them, I would say it's eighty to ninety percent on the positive side, but we tend to remember the negative stuff. Right. And that, that's, that's just human nature. That's who we are. Um, kind of like not promoting myself here. I have one, in one of my books, um, I have, there's five women who are all married and their husbands are deployed. That's kind of the premise. Uh-huh. And I had one um, male reader come to me and it's, it's actually women's fiction. So I'm like, why did you read my book anyway? You're not my target audience, but thank <laughs> you. Um, and then he said, why is it your why is it such a, a male bashing book? I mean, all the husbands are these horrible people. And I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? He said, literally one of the men, one of the husbands is a jerk. The other four are these awesome, upstanding. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, think back. And I'm like, you know, it's like, whoa. Well, it just felt like 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 male bashing. And mm-hmm. it literally was 80% of the men in the story <laughs> were these awesome human beings. And there was one mm-hmm. who was a jerk. And, I, and that's what that's what stood out to this particular reader. And that's not saying that. I mean, that's that's what he noticed. That's what stuck with him. So I think that's we're looking at a similar proportion, I right, think, with, right. with a cultural hall. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. Sense. And I would just further say I, I additionally appreciate sort of the check every now and then. Hey, this sure. how do, are you are you doing all right? How do you feel about this? This seemed out of character for you. This seemed, you know, tell me why you took this stance on this thing. I appreciate all of those things. It's it's the labels and then the reluctance to have conversation that is really hard for me to be able to kind of find my way through. So uh, always open, contact at theculturalhall.com. You can uh, send us emails either about what we talk about or about guests that we should have on the show. And before we walk away from this, I want to share these two reviews that we got. You can review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I know many of you have not, uh, but many of you have. So to those that did in the last couple weeks and that have in the past, thank you. Uh, This is from Kayaker2010 that says, I love this podcast. I would contend and say it's a show available in podcast form. I love the guests and Richie's gift of interviewing. Ben Shalati, the interview he did was amazing, touching and validating. I look forward to articles of news each and every week. I'm always delighted when Brother Kyle is helping with articles of news. I wish him well in his health journey. I've enjoyed the variety of guests and often listen to episodes over and over again. Be blessed! Exclamation point from Kayaker 2010. And then Rob Green says, interesting show. 
that provides a non-traditional perspective via a civil conversation with the host. A great opportunity to hear various guests give opinions and experiences outside the normal LDS culture without the too often argument or contention. I enjoy it. Rob Green. Let's take a break and come back and do actual articles of news. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. I get a lot of emails from people all the time. Here's one. Dear Dan, I hear your talk about a lifetime service guarantee. Free? Really? Please help me avoid all your fine print and be honest about what free means. You understand that we should be very wary of a free offer signed skeptical hi skeptical i remember 22 years ago when we started pc laptops and our lifetime service guarantee people thought it was too good to be true well you know after a decade people started believing me a little bit but you know it's been 22 years of having the privilege to serve our friends and neighbors like you our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry you can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer for $7.99 with a lifetime warranty. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. Here's to seeing you soon, skeptical. Here in the second half of Articles of News, we do actual Articles of News. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. And away we go with a recent uh, just getting past the 4th of July celebration. I wish to lead off the news by letting you know uh, that Gal, uh, Gail Halverson, the candy bomber, did the candy bombing over St. George. He's a member of the church. He's, uh, I, I mean, he's got to be almost 100 years old. If, Yep, he celebrated his 100th yeah. birthday uh, and dropping candy. It's an amazing story. There's a book written about him. He's been interviewed a bunch. Never had him here in the cultural hall. I need to do it. In fact, I'm headed to St. George in a couple weeks, and I'm going to try and connect with him. Uh, did the candy bombing over St. George at 100 years old. That guy... Just to clarify, I mean, he doesn't know. He's, he did actual candy bombing after World War II. Yeah. That was, that's the, yeah. yeah, to the kids in World War II. It's not just a thing where he's like, hey, now I'm going to start candy bombing. You know, why not? It was a thing he did, dur- I think, during the war, not after World War II, right? I thought, I thought it was right after when they were starving families and whatever, and they are trying to bring in supplies, I thought. But yeah. I could be wrong on that. No, no, yeah, no, World no. War II era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, so very cool. And he's just a funny guy who just is like, I just love, I just love doing it. I love seeing the smiles on kids' faces. Um, this, uh, impacts not only, uh, myself, but everyone got a new boss over at the BYU broadcasting. Uh, my old boss got called into the 70. It's always fun when you have, when you have a boss that you're like, Hey, see in the meeting on, Oh no, you got called into the 70. All right. Somebody else, uh, now Jeff Simpson, will be the new director of uh, BYU TV and BYU Radio, so technically BYU Broadcasting. Uh, He has been um, 
president and publisher of the Deseret News, chief operating officer of Deseret Book, CEO of Bonneville International, uh, also worked at Walt Disney and Buena Vista Television. So he will be my new boss. Haven't met him yet. Haven't had the opportunity, but it's a big deal. He was called to serve as a mission president uh, back in the like April time zone, time frame. And then, and then when they called uh, Michael Dunn to be a 70, that's the old guy who ran BYU TV, uh, they said, yeah, 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 mission present? No, no, no. We're going to need you to run BYU Broadcasting. So for him, he, he thought he was going to serve a mission for three years, and now he's running BYU Broadcasting. Different kind of a mission, yeah. Yeah. What do you got? Awesome. So I'm sticking with the World War II theme here. Um, we have the remains of a Pearl Harbor soldier member of the church who um, through DNA, his remains were identified and he was finally laid to rest in an Idaho cemetery up, up in Shelley, Idaho, um, which coincidentally, that's where both of my in-laws are from. And my, my, one of my grandfather's in-law, they're about the same age. So I, I, I want to actually ask my in-laws if they would have known who this was, but on um, Saturday, June 26th, they had a cemetery, a, a ceremony at the cemetery with some of the, whatever living family is still here. Um, and apparently the last letter he wrote home arrived, if I remember reading it correctly, arrived on Pearl Harbor Day. And wow. he, um, it's just really sad stuff. But the, the flag that his family was presented with had you know, this, his service information plus three simple words, home at last, which yeah. is just heartbreaking. So anyway, his name um, was Carl M. Bradley. Um, again, from Shelley, Idaho. And um, this is, if someone's interested in, into the genealogy stuff on Find a Grave, there that's a, this awesome website where you can locate all kinds of ancestor things. You can often link to it from Family Search and whatnot. Um, his grave does not yet have an image. So if, you, if someone out there finds themselves in Shelley, Idaho and wants to do that, you can upload the image to Find a Grave for, let's see, so Navy Fireman Second Class Bradley. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of things about it. Think about that for a second. So after 80 years, that's how long it's been since Pearl Harbor. When he died. Yeah. Yep. After 80 years, because of DNA that we have the technology to be able to do now, today, this person was able to be identified and be able to brought, be brought home. That's remarkable. Uh, amazing. Yeah. The secondary thing, if you're wondering, man, how can I get involved in genealogy in sort of a fun way? Maybe you've got younger kids. This find a grave or I think there's another one as well, like a million graves or a billion graves or something like yeah, that. Billion graves. Yeah. Um, you go if you go, say you find yourself in like a small town or even there's a lot of bigger city cemeteries haven't been completely documented. You go. Mm -hmm. It sort of dings the coordinates of the particular headstone that you in you you take a picture of it and it's it's kind of like being a part of a treasure hunt or you can you know oh, we're going to do all yeah. of them in this particular area and uh and i thought that was pretty cool that's a, a so cool that's app. actually the g was um that was my son's eagle project he got um our the ward youth arranged and organized and we went up to the salt lake cemetery which had a whole section that was not done yet cool and so we had dozens of people out there with their phones and uploading pictures and so yeah as you can go to any local cemetery you might be surprised there's gaps often that are you know people do this a lot but i don't know how many hundreds of graves got uploaded but that was part of his eagle project it's yours it's, it's a really cool program that's so yeah awesome. And, that's and awesome website. uh yeah. you know speaking of uh family history and or genealogy i saw this uh news headline today 
And I'm going to put you on the spot and know and ask you if you okay. even know about this because I know your husband is directly involved. Do you know about Roots Tech 2022? Um, only that they're already trying to um, recruit him to be back on the team. <laughs> sure, sure. So, um, so they made the bad. announcement today that it will be online and free again. Yeah, no surprise. This is I, when uh, the success of last time blew everyone out of the water in spite of the intense work involved. Um, yeah, there was no way they're going to go back to the way it used to be. Yeah. yeah. Over 1 million people interacted with the Roots Tech Conference. Yep. Uh, and Annette's husband was solely responsible for every <laughs> single every one of those people. Every, any, yeah. If there was it anything was, successful yeah. around it, that was her husband. But if something went wrong, don't blame him. It wasn't yeah, his fault. No, no, that was somebody else. No, but there, the successes. There were some seriously amazing miracles that happened, though. It wasn't, yeah. I think I mentioned it back at the time whenever, what was it, February? Mm-hmm. Articles of news. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty astounding feat and, and worth noting that that uh, news just came out earlier today. So cool. And, and to know that not only will it be free, um, but it will be a, a thing that uh, we can entertain and do virtually no matter where we're at. A couple other quick stories. Uh, all the temples are now open in some form Yay. or fashion. Uh, none, as I understand it, are to phase four, which means like free game, let's do it all. Uh, but now... Uh, every single temple is open, at least in part. And I think the mm -hmm. one last holdup was there was one in Russia, I want to say, that had yeah, not yeah. reopened. Um, and now it's open to a phase one. Lots are in two and two B and three. Um, none in four yet, but people getting those reservations. And I know here locally, so I'm in the Salt Lake Temple District. Salt Lake Temple obviously closed because of all the yeah, so stuff that they're doing. Yeah, so what do you guys do? So we are, we are told to either go to Jordan River or Bountiful. And uh, trying to get an appointment at either of those temples, I'm pretty sure, though I haven't gone and checked it out for myself, that there are probably people scalping reservation times out in front of the temple to make <laughs> a little bit of their tithing money back. It's it like, I, I guess, That's I insane. talked to someone, they opened up through the 1st of September, and they're all booked. So people are yearning to get uh -huh. back, and, and people are doing it, so... All temples. So one funny thing that I thought was hilarious. So um, my best friend out in California, she's a Los Angeles temple worker. And of course, she's been eager to go back. And she had one day back. And then they closed for their their cleaning. Oh. And she's like, she was like, hey, like, guys, we had over a year. Could we have not have done that like uh, earlier and not just that's like it was the calendar. And so they had one day open and then they went back. Yep. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. We had it on the schedule. No, that would be when cleaning would be. We had okay. lots of use over the last year. Secret use of the temple. <laughs> uh, give me another church newsroom story. All righty. So let's see. This is one of my favorite little things. And I've got a little personal connection to this point. So um, this is the point where um, President Ballard, um, on March 7th, there's this meeting he attended virtually with 300,000 young people. And he's speaking to them and it's talking about like you know, building the future and having confidence in them and all these great things. Um, but he said that as important as it was for him to speak to these 300,000 young, uh, young members of the church, the most important part of his day was not that hmm. the most important part of his day was calling his wife because he had just found out she'd been diagnosed with cancer and hmm. that was more important. And that, I mean, that hit, hit me really hard because I, I think we do have, sometimes it's easy in the church to have callings take over and then like family slips to the cracks, but we're serving. So it's all great. 
Um, so it's so awesome, awesome to me to see, you know, I mean, he's the acting president of the 12 right now. And right. to him, his wife is number one. So here's my little personal connection. When my parents were on one of their many mission things, they were serving at the Helsinki Temple. And um, then President Uchtdorf came um, and attended meetings and touring the temple and all this stuff. And apparently there's always, there's, they always have an endowment session with local leaders and the touring apostle. Um, well, when it was time for him to attend that endowment session, his wife was not feeling great. She was had a headache or something and was feeling sick. So he came to my, my mom and said, hey, would it be okay if my wife took a nap in, in your apartment, in your bedroom? And she, of course, my mom's like, oh, absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. um, and my mom, of course, later was thinking, I was so embarrassed because the desk was covered in all my scripture study stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> mom, if your bedroom's getting messy in any way for an apostle to show up, that's probably the best way to have it. Um, but he did not attend the session. That's really? the thing I loved. He actually sat next to her while she took a nap Aww. because she was more important than the session. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So it's not just Ballard and it's not just Interf, I don't think this is, that's where it needs to be folks, that, that our families matter. They really, really do. Well, and how often do we get that sort of wrong, right? Yes, exactly. Oh, but I have exactly. to, because I'm the person who always, you know, there's that pride or the thing that we are identified by that that leads us into the situations where, or, yeah. or even just thinking, you know, well, it's my duty and I, you know, I have to, who else is going to, I'm supposed to be there and mm-hmm. thinking that my family will be here when I get back. I mean, he could have, I think I would have expected him to make sure his wife had a place to take a nap, but that he would have gone anyway, sure. you know, but sure. anyway, but yeah. being able to be a support that way, that's powerful. I really like yeah. that. Um, speaking about uh, reopenings and rededications, uh, the Mesa temple, you know, uh, again, one of those uh, a little bit older temples that has been undergoing some renovations for the last couple of years uh, will now be rededicated. The 12th of December is when people uh, will be able to participate in that rededication. There will be the open house from the 16th of October through the 20th of November every day, except for uh, Sundays, obviously. Uh, and then there will be a youth devotional that people will be able to not only be a part of, but be able to see the complete grounds there around the Mesa temple changed quite a bit. There was a housing project that they sort of took down. It was a lot of controversy. People saying these lower, lower ish income, uh, affordable houses were sort of taken out to sort of beautify the area. So people looking forward to not only having the Mesa temple rededicated, but, to see just what that will mean for the area there. And then also the uh, the MTC, that is the MTC in Provo, uh, is now reopened. Uh, except, Partially. Yeah. Well, it's reopened, but it, it's not at capacity. Uh, right. As I understand, it's taking on about 300 uh, elders and sisters a week. These are English-speaking elders and sisters, um, which means they'll likely get in and get out within three weeks. So a little side note. So one of my, my daughter has a friend currently who he already reported. He's yeah, we're here in Utah Valley. So we're right by the MTC, but he will be in the MTC. He has home MTC at first mm-hmm. for like a week or two. And then he will go to the MTC in Provo for another week or two. So he, they're, he's, they're splitting it. Interesting. So he, yeah. So he, he, I believe he is going English speaking, I believe, but he, yeah, the first chunk is at home, home MTC online or whatever. And then, They'll bring him over in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it, so that's I thought that was interesting. It's still not um, those foreign language speaking missionaries there in the MTC or the like long term kind of stuff. And also, as I understand it, in order to 
uh, be in the Provo MTC, you have to be vaccinated and have mm-hmm. the duration post-vaccination to be able to report uh, in in person on um, in the Provo MTC. But interesting fact and worth pointing out, as I understand it, unless it's a loophole that I'm assuming and isn't actually there, if you don't get vaccinated, say you live in Utah, if you don't get vaccinated and wish to serve a mission, you can still, in fact, be called. You just won't be called out of the United States to mm-hmm. serve to serve a mission. So I for- believe that was the case, actually, with other vaccinations as well. If you don't want to be vaccinated for, you know, hepatitis B and all yeah. the other ones they expect, then mm-hmm. you couldn't be called outside the U.S. That's yeah. been the case for some time. Yeah. But interesting, particularly with COVID, that they are, in yeah. fact, allowing missionaries to do that. And I'm sure that there are those that that hold in their beliefs, hey, I don't want to be vaccinated. I'm grateful to know that even though they make that choice, maybe one that I don't agree with necessarily, that they still get the opportunity to be able to serve. So, serve in some capacity, sure. Yeah. yeah. Tell me, what else, uh, what other, you had another newsroom story? Yeah, newsroom story. This is going with temples again. Um, I'm not, I'll read through the, all of them, but there was a list of June anniversary temples. There's 18 that were dedicated in June, and there were a couple that jumped out at me, which I thought was interesting. Um, so in 2000, there were two de- two dedicated on the same day, June 4th, Montreal, Quebec, and Santa Ho- San Jose, Costa Rica, dedicated on the same day in 2000. I'm sure that was part of the big push for President Hinckley's to try to get in the, our 100 before the millennium ended. Then there were several others. Then this one I thought was interesting. There were two in Australia dedicated one day apart. Interesting. Um, so flying from one to the other, I imagine. June 15th was the Adelaide Australia Temple, and then the 16th was in was the Melbourne Australia Temple. Um, then two days after that, um, the Suva Fiji temple was dedicated. And here's, I thought this was fascinating. President Hinckley dedicated it during a three and a half hour layover. The, the country had some serious political unrest at the time and only about 60 people attended it. So the elder cook later called it simple and spiritual. Hmm. So it was just get it in, get it done, moving on. I, I, I feel bad for some church leaders. I'm like, does your body even know what time zone you're in? You travel so much. The answer is no. And then, no, 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 no. Um, yeah. And then the last one that, that, that for me that was interesting was um, the Freiburg, Germany temple. And so I'm old enough to remember some of this because I am I think I'm the oldest woman in the cultural hall. Not quite as old as Brother Kyle. but <laughs> well, um, well, to be fair, no one's quite as old, no one's as, Brother as, old Kyle. as Brother Kyle. So um, but Freiburg, the Freiburg, Germany temple, this is when we still had East Germany and the Soviet Union. So it was a little freaky that we actually got a temple in East Germany because they didn't allow religion, basically. So it was seriously cool. So President Hinckley dedicated the temple in 85, um, and it included Poland, Czech Republic, which was then Czechoslovakia, Romania, Slovakia, Hungary, and Moldova. In 2016, um, Elder Utdorf got to um, offer a rededication prayer. He lived in Freiburg until he was 11 years old. So this is his hometown. He goes back and got to offer a prayer of rededication in German. That's cool. That's Isn't awesome. That cool? I don't think that yeah. I know that he did do that rededication. Maybe we mentioned that in an old article. I, of news. I didn't remember it myself, so I thought maybe someone else might not. Uh, interesting. A couple other things. They uh, have announced the site and uh, will soon be doing the we move dirt in and then move it with gold shovels uh, in the uh, Grand Junction, Colorado <laughs> uh, temple that was announced. So that site has been determined and, and they will do that. Also, uh, Helena, Montana. Uh, it's a temple that I'm going to go see when it gets built and or dedicated. I've got some family up in Helena and 
man, they are they are cruising with this. President Nelson yes. said, yeah. hey, you know what? Let's put a temple up there. I think within like a week or two weeks time, we knew what the temple was going to look like. They built they're building it where an old stake center used to be. And by middle of June, that stake center was gone, all flattened, raised, you know, taken out all the parts and pieces and they're laying it out for the temple to be built there. So they're anticipating Interesting that. Interesting is the fastest it's moved from announcements to, you know, groundbreaking in 20 years since President Hinckley's big 2000 push. It's so fast. And some temples take years to even get to that point. So it's way cool. And and it they're expecting it to take about 18 months to complete. So from beginning to end, geez, just crazy fast all over the place. Uh, I want to talk about this real quick. This is up in Rexburg, you know, Idaho, uh, home of BYU-Idaho. Someone vandalized a church. Um, they tagged multiple properties, uh, including several owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's got to be some sort of gang, but this gang tag, I don't, I don't get it, and I don't know what it is. So if you look at the show notes at theculturalhall.com in association with this episode, the first part of the tag is blanked out it's blurred out and the only remaining part that they show is 12 so i have no idea what it would be i mean i mean with without being sort of non-creative because it could be any sort of expletive that they would probably blur out um for the newspaper but it it seems like kind of a lame tag it's lame that they would tag a church or any church property to begin with but you know something 12 die 12 I hate twelve. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the, the vandalizing people aren't usually that creative. Yeah. I've noticed. So it, so it's probably just an expletive. Probably expletive twelve. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. What else do you have? Uh, so this is a, a little more of a serious. This is our negative one. Of a, if you look at our proportions, this is small. But uh, so so for everyone counting, that's eleven <laughs> positive stories, and now a negative story. One negative. Um, it's so there were two articles about the, about it that's been kind of it's been cropping up anyway operation underground railroad it's been now it's known you know largely for being oh this anti-sex trafficking human trafficking organization um but it is now under criminal investigation in utah mm -hmm. and there's other people are have been coming forward saying yeah this doesn't feel right i think we're actually creating a more of a problem more of a market um we're not having people trained as they should be this is just a way for this guy to make money and so there's two um, really great articles about it um one in vice called operation underground railroads carefully crafted public images falling apart and the other one is written by um latter-day saint member of the church meg conley um and it was published in slate it's called called by god um because she she was invited on when it's on, on one of the, his trips and she thought mm -hmm. this is an amazing thing and then afterwards she was it was a little disturbing to her so this is her story years later i've been following that for some time and a year or two ago she was like she tagged some press and was like hey so if any journalists want to you know, hear my story with them i'd love to tell it people are like you're a writer why don't you do it yeah so, yeah um and then and for anyone's thinking she's trying to get rich off of this she's donating the money she got for the article to a local homeless program where she yeah. lives in Colorado, I believe. Anyway, it's fascinating and a little upsetting, but again, one of those things where it's like, you might have a last name that sounds very LDS. He is related, I think, distantly to um, to President Ballard. But, yeah, because um, his name's Timothy like Ballard, yeah. Yeah, um, there he runs the whole thing. Um, but also just a lot of his success seems to have be tied to 
the image of, oh, I'm a good member of the church and trust me and all that kind of thing. So it's a bit of a, you know, that little heads up warning that you get need to, just because someone's a member does not necessarily mean they, they're keeping their covenants and being the person that they should be. Yeah. Which isn't to say that we think that he is or isn't, because the thing, the speculation that I have seen is that uh, there's some level of affinity, maybe fraud or fraudulent things, but also like a misrepresentation of what the organization has actually accomplished or taking credit for things that they didn't actually did do in order to um, to get people to donate saying, hey, you see that we did that. When in reality, okay, they did not. No, they didn't. They didn't do that. Um, speaking exactly. of uh, Operation Underground Railroad, um, when we talked about Operation Underground Railroad here in the Cultural Hall, we had uh, Ed Smart, uh, father of Elizabeth Smart, uh, here into the show. And this is just sort of a, a quick byline. Uh, he recently got married, Ed Smart. Um, for people who don't know, Eliza Smart was the the young girl who was kidnapped, found then uh, later in Utah, nine months later, found to be alive. Um, Ed Smart, years later, um, came out as gay. Uh, as I understand it, l- left the church or sort of had, you know, I mean, he, he is now married to a man. So as as far as that's standing he, I with think the church I think he's pretty open about leaving. That. Yeah. He's pretty open about leaving, yeah. Um, but so congratulations, uh, to him. And that, that recently happened. I happen to know the DJ company who took care of his wedding. I'm I'm not saying that it's best DJ in Utah.com, but it might be best no, DJ in Utah. We're not going to promote best DJ no, in Utah. No, I'm right? not saying, but no, I'm also not saying, I'm also not saying that it wasn't. So infer what you will from that. Other things, so many things reopening, and it just makes me excited. The family history library. Uh, remember yes. we talked to, uh, Keith Erickson about his, uh, book a couple of months ago now. So look back 20, 25 episodes ago. Um, the Family History Library is now reopened. I should say Keith Erickson has a book, Real versus Rumor. Great book. It's uh, Deseret Books July Book of the Month Club thing that they're doing. So there's a lot of press about that. Keith was really great. Um, but what has oh, changed? If you, keep, if you keep on score, though, you also had another Deseret Book Book Club pick as in the hall. So Jennifer Reeder recently was the book club pick with her book. Um, was it first? Yeah, the, it was the about book Emma about Smith. Emma Smith. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And well, I'm geez. like, and I, my, yeah, one of my little claims to fame. I went to high school with Jenny. She was the English Sterling Scholar, and I was the alternate. Oh, <laughs> just she, barely our, eked it out. And well, and then our my, the very first writing contest I ever entered, there were three entries. She took first place, and I took second. So I'm like, so Jenny's always just a little bit ahead. I love Jenny. You know, she's one of the best, most awesome people in the yeah, world. So I'm, yeah, I'm just about the sweetest in the world. But now, I think we're gonna have to have a write-off, Annette. <laughs> for yeah. once and for all, I do fun fiction, and she's like Emma Smith, wife of the prophet. I'm yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, what's changed? Well, there are new floor arrangements. Uh, it's been reorganized for efficiency and convenience. There's more lighting. Before the pandemic, parts of some floors with microfilm, microfilm readers were mostly dark. Um, technology throughout the Family History Library has received a major upgrade. Uh, there are 375 new workstations, each with two or three monitors. Um, where is there's the back side of this? Uh, also, uh, patrons are now entitled to free photocopies. Uh, before the pandemic, it cost five cents for p- per photocopy. So how about that? 
with the click of a button on any of the company of the library's computers, a patron can request help from staff or a volunteer. There's a new break room that has uh, been built to accommodate up to 75 people. There's new restrooms. There's also a family restroom and a mother's lounge. Uh, and the Family History Library has more than 515,000 books with more than 100,000 additional books available online. So cool that they use the time, as you indicated, to be able to kind of grow and, and be ready for folks when they came back. Uh, I don't have much about this story, only that I think it's awesome. A New American Scripture, How and Why the Real Illuminati Created the Book of Mormon. I had no idea. <laughs> I saw that headline, but I haven't read it, so enlighten well, us. Well, the world is spiraling out of control, Annette. Pandemics, famine, war, protests, hopelessness. They confront humanity on all sides. Hope is the intrinsic measure of our humanity, or better, that which we feel can be possible in spite of the improbabilities that seem to be part of our present experience. Yet, hopelessness prevails. So far, I'm in. I agree with that. Yeah. Hopelessness yeah. does prevail. Yeah. Now, we are the real <laughs> Illuminati. Rights reserved. It has the little. It has the little uh, thing. We're not part of any of the groups that advertise and present themselves as being part of an elite coalition of illuminated people. We are the real Illuminati. There are no others who are illuminated with real truth as we have been. Our group has existed since the dawn of humanity. We have acted and <laughs> act behind the scenes of public exposure without disclosing our true identities. We desire no accolade or praise. We have one desire to help save humanity, and it's a whole book about why and how <laughs> the real Illuminati created the Book of Mormon. And here's the deal. If I can get them to do an interview, I am 100%. Oh, please do. I am 100% doing this interview for the Cultural Hall. Oh, I love it. Do it. Absolutely. So, so, so for those that think, ah, I don't know that that really will uplift me, it may not, but man, it will be interesting to find out about all that. What else do you have? So Okay, so this is my last big one that I... I, I I, and I have to mention it, and hopefully it'll get out of my brain because it's been an earworm for several days now. Donnie Osmond has a new single out. Um, as he has a new album, apparently it's his 65th album. He's Jeez. 63. Jeez. Which is kind of, you know, impressive right there. Um, and again, I'm old enough that I remember his brief attempt to go by Dawn. <laughs> that didn't work. That was in the early 90s. Anyway, um, so he has this new, new single out. It's called Who? Uh -huh. and music video it's cheesy and goofy and at the same time like he takes himself seriously but then kind of doesn't at the same time so it's like it's a little weird having a 63 year old talking about like ooh, you romantic love and you make me hot and you know and you're like <laughs> this is Donny Osmond it's making me a little uncomfortable um but it's it's, it's, a, it's a it's a fun little um music video and again the song's been running through my head for about three days now I my guess he lives in Provo um and the the video it looks like it might have been shot in the parking garage of the Provo Library. That's what it looks like to me. Interesting. That's my guess. I could be completely wrong, but that would be my guess. Now, only uh, lives in Provo for a short time because he's going back to do uh, a solo residency thing. Yeah. yeah, down in Las Vegas. Right. He's had a home base in Provo for yeah. most of his life. Right. In fact, uh, so here's a little fun thing. Um, I so they, when the Osmonds were at their peak and they had the Donnie and Marie show and, mm -hmm. and all of that. Um, that was shot out of Orem, and they had a whole street called Osmond Lane in Provo up on this hill. Um, they, that was in my state growing cool. up. 
Um, we lived off the hill. <laughs> there was a very clear distinction of those the rich people, uh-huh. and then there's us. Uh-huh. Um, and anyway, but I remember watching Donnie and Marie as a kid, going, they're filming that right now, like just five minutes from here. This is so weird. Um, but before we had, you know, now we used to have like budgets for the ward where people would like donate and, you know, whatever. So our state would sometimes have some pretty cool things because the Osmonds would be donating stuff. So sure. Alan Osmond was on a state carnival festival activity committee with my mom um and we had them over for dinner i was starstruck of course but um literally at the carnival steak i think he had actually hired john schneider from the dukes of hazard to come <laughs> in on a helicopter yes and he came down i mean i and i was like maybe seven or eight and i'm like just freaking out because of the, of the dukes of hazard he's the cute one sure. my, my eight-year-old brain whatever uh you'd never see that now but no. um but yeah that was the Osmonds, there's kind of a fun little history there with my little childhood and whatnot. But it's one of the things that we lost with correlation and everything being equal in the wards. We'll never have yeah, John right? Schneider from a uh, helicopter. helicopter. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> we lose road shows and John Schneider in a helicopter. You know. uh, the rest of the stories I've got are fairly serious. One, uh, this is about Natasha Helfer, uh, the therapist who's excommunicated from the church a couple months ago. Uh, I I don't know that there is is much to this. She appealed. It was denied. So she will remain excommunicated from the church. Um, But recently, the um, why can't I think what they're called? The cameras that policemen wear. The uh, body cams. Body cams. Body cams is the correct answer. You win nothing. the body cam footage from the police officers that were called to remove those that were protesting at the uh, stake center has been made available. It's not there's not much of like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. But it is interesting to see sort of how the officers interacted with those those church leaders and what they said. And and some would say, oh, I'm so and then, you know, get real riled up about that. And others would say this is absolutely nothing. I'm sort of in the middle of the road and went, well, this is interesting. We live in a day and age where I can see exactly what it looked like from the police officer's uh, point of view. And so that's available in a link uh, on the culturalhall.com. Um, and honestly, can I say there wasn't anything dramatic? That's actually kind of nice that there wasn't any sort of like horrible. I mean, I mean, to, to, to some that the cops were called at all. You know, they were that saying, we're, hey, we're being we're being peaceful. Why are we being removed? And, and, you know, to some extent, I get that, right? People should be able to to protest. But if people felt like they were endangered or like whatever the activity was done and people were still there, I mean, it's private property. Well, private frankly, property. it is private property. Right. Yeah. Right. So they didn't have the right to be there, you know, to go on the street or something. But yeah. and there, I can see both sides. Yeah, there, there is some context within it where someone who is an active member of the church is saying, listen, I belong to this church. How can I how come I cannot be here and. You know, so it does yeah, raise some of those questions. Uh, Wait a minute, there's nuance. Yeah, that's Wait, one, one no, thing I think. Black or white. That's one thing Annette. I love about the art of the, call, the cultural hall is we can have nuance. And in the world today, it feels like you have to be on one side or the other, and like, no, that we live in nuance. And I think maybe that's what people are feeling, but they get upset because we aren't necessarily always picking one side or the other. Do you have the? Uh, do you have the uh, Hulu? Do you stream the Hulu? Annette? We stream the Hulu. Yes, we do. Uh, I'm excited for this. They're doing Under the Banner of Heaven. Uh, it's oh, going to be yeah. on I'm FX. About that. Uh, it'll be um, adapted by Dustin Lance Black, uh, who used to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, for people who don't know, 
uh, John Krakauer is is the author of the original book. Have you ever read this? Have you ever read Under the Banner of Heaven? I have not, no. But it's about the, the Lafferty brothers, right? Yes. So yes. people who don't know, it is Hulu's answer to Netflix's Murder Among the Mormons. Uh, it's going to star Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, and Daisy Edgar Jones. And I don't think we have a released date on this yet, but it is under it's works. Tough. So it should be. I, I was pleasantly surprised that Murder Among the Mormons was actually balanced quite well then. So I'm hopeful on this, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, I don't know if this is uh, made in documentary form or if it's going to go for the fictional adaptation, which mean which lets me know it will not be as accurate as some of those. Right. Other yeah, that, and that's my concern when you have you know when you're hiring Hollywood big stars, then chances are it will be fictional, and then it'll be. Yeah, because the Lafferty's case was it, it was. I remember as a kid hearing about it, and it, and it kind of was like a Nephi and Laban thing. If you really believe God's told you to kill someone, then of course you do it. But that, right. but they were, this is what happened. So they they killed their sister-in-law and their niece, and it was horrifying. Yeah, mentally ill. They're both, as I understand it, still alive and in Utah State one Prison. Them, at least one of one them. One of them is. actually, one of them passed away just recently okay. of natural causes. But while awaiting, he, one of them got life in prison and the other was sentenced to death, but then recently actually just died in prison. Um, and I'm forgetting which was which. But. They're, they're, I'm just going to quickly mention this because this is another one that I hope to get these guys into the cultural hall. Uh, you heard of Schmigadoon? No. So th- this, is, uh, this is pretty cool. Um, partners Ken Dario and Cinco Paul... Um, for a while, they struggled to sell scripts. It was an effort made no easier by their unorthodox style of pitching to executives. They'd go into a chilly glass office, explain the premise and characters, outline story beats, and then start to sing. Uh, he, Dario, that is Ken Dario, says, It's not as weird as it sounds. In comedy, the big set pieces are often linked to music or something funny happening around the music, so we just perform that moment and sing those parts in harmony. Sometimes it'd get real awkward. You'd see people... Uh, be like, uh, what do we do with these guys? <laughs> Sometimes the duo delighted their audience. Sometimes they finished to crickets. Once, after pitching to the head of Warner Brothers, the hard no went simply something like this. Well, that was loud. Uh, <laughs> what began in surreal pitch meetings is now coming to surreal prestige t- TV. Uh, coming up in uh, July, Apple TV will begin airing Schmigadoon. It's Paul and Dario's send-up of classic musicals. In the show, Cecily Strong and Keegan-Michael Key play two mid-career New York City doctors whose long-term relationship is in a slump. They go on a hiking trip in an attempt to rekindle the spark. They get lost, and they wind up in a Blumhouse horror film with just a touch of whimsy. That's right, a horror film with touch of whimsy. It's Schmigadoon! Britain, wow, Britain horror Bank. with a touch of whimsy. Yeah, as only I feel like Cecily Strong and Kegel Michael Key could pull off. So look for it coming to Apple, um, Apple Plus, Apple TV. Sorry, so many streaming services, hard to keep them all straight. Um, Dario came to the LDS Church later in his life, um, and, and uh, yeah, active member of the church as far as I can tell, see, and understand. So hopefully we can get him into the cultural hall here sometime this month to find out exactly how that murder house whimsy is able to be woven into a script. I love that. A couple other things. Uh, this one, not not great and sort of 
church adjacent adjacent. Uh, the Boy Scouts of America have reached an agreement that will pay $850 million to more than 60,000 men who say they were abused as scouts. Um, the deal was announced late last Thursday. It's a major step toward the embattled youth organization. Um, the deal is the result of months of negotiations between survivor groups, the Boy Scouts of America, and more than 250 local councils. Uh, victims continue to seek money from insurers, former insurers, and chartered organizations of the Scouts, such as the Catholic and Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So that's sort of where that gets lumped in. But the Boy Scouts has, in fact, settled and for $850 million. Wow. Uh, two more stories. Left hand, right hand. Annette, which one do you want? Left hand, right hand first. Left hand. All right. Left hand. Uh, Desiree Turner, you might have uh, remember us mentioning this in the cultural hall. Um, she was the survivor of a shooting incident and has now been uh, called to serve a mission. Um, this is just a, a brief story about her. Four years ago, Turner was shot in the head by two of her classmates and is now serving a mission. She'd never imagined anything like it ever, says uh, April Turner, Desiree's mom. Um, Desiree says the injury caused her to take up a new hobby. Lots of people were giving her flowers on her homecoming from the hospital so that she's just fallen in love with flowers. People gifted us flowers. It was huge. It was so kind of them, but also it did something for us. Desiree now uses her knowledge of flowers every day as a volunteer service missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, right now, she says, I'm donating my flowers and putting them in bouquets and vases to donate them to hospice care and nursing homes. So taking what would cool. otherwise be a dark moment in her past and, and taking that opportunity to share that with others. And then finally this from BYU. Uh, BYU students organized a large pride march uh, just this last week. Uh, numerous students of BYU uh, organize, organized an unofficial BYU Pride uh, march just this last month. While the march's actual student organizers have remained anonymous, over 1,000 people attended the march, including current and former BYU students. Uh, their signs reportedly proclaimed things like, All are alike unto God, or You are loved. They went on to say in an Instagram post, it is now our turn to unite as one family in me in making BYU a welcoming place for all people, regardless of their sexual orientation, gender identity, or religious standing. Among the marchers' demands, they want BYU to release a statement affirming support for LGBTQ students and to change the school's honor code to stop discriminating against LGBTQ couples. Though... Though the future we uh, though the future we ask for may seem unrealistic, BYU has come a long way in providing support for our community. The Instagram posts continued. The statement noted that BYU has recently removed hateful language from their policies, been tolerant been tolerant of some demonstrations. Um, on February nineteenth, the school revised. This is February nineteenth, twenty twenty. You'll remember that the school revised its student honor code to remove a clause prohibiting all forms of physical intimacy that give expression to homosexual feelings. But then two weeks later, the director of the honor code, Kevin Utt, clarified the code still prohibited any same-sex romantic behavior as a violation of the principles of the honor code. There's also an article in, or a, a few um, dives into the history of uh, BYU and its LGBTQ policies that people can read and find that in the show notes at theculturalhall.com. Annette, that's it. You made it. 
We made we it to made the it. end. We made it. We did it. Uh, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. We hope that if you have been sick or afflicted, that you'll be able to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chocolate Cakes Bites podcast, Big Mike's products, and a new one, Debbie Wanless, will be saving a seat for you. On the back row. Of the cultural. Of the cultural hall. hall. We almost synced it. The Zoom makes it hard. Cultural Two, three, haul. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the culture hall show.